Prehabilitation. What is that? We're going to talk about that next on Scope Radio. Access to our experts with in-depth information about the biggest health issues facing you today. The Specialists with Dr. Tom Miller is on The Scope. Hi, I'm Dr. Tom Miller, and I'm here with Dr. Dan Vargo. He is a surgeon here at the University of Utah. Dan, what is prehabilitation? What we are trying to accomplish is to improve patient outcomes with surgery. Can patients do anything to help improve their outcomes uh, uh, with their operations? Well, it sounds like... I'm. You're going to tell me what those things might be. Uh, we focus on uh, some very specific things. So uh, the first thing is to stop smoking before surgery. Uh, there's no question there have been multiple studies that have shown that uh, smoking cessation is the number one thing you can do to improve wound infection rates, to improve pulmonary complications. There's actually an interesting um, application uh, for uh, a smartphone uh, that uh, it's specific for hernia operations, but it would be applicable to most any operations where you can type in various risk factors for the patients before surgery, and uh, and you can show what their risk of a complication is after surgery. So it's very easy to punch in smoking as one of the risk factors uh, in that application, and show them what their uh, chance of having a complication after surgery, and then eliminating smoking and showing them what their risk is uh, for having a complication. And for things like pneumonia, it goes down about six times. Uh, for wound infections, it goes down about three times. Now, how long before the surgery would they have to quit smoking before to show that that's effective? We typically will recommend about six weeks before surgery. Okay. Perfect. Uh, another one of the risk factors uh, that we know that patients can work on is their uh, blood sugar control. Uh, this is specific for diabetics, and um, we uh, have taken the approach of uh, absolute glucose control before surgery. Bacteria and various things inside your wound need sugar to survive, and if you have elevated levels of sugar in your wound after surgery, then that gives them a better chance of setting up shop and uh, causing an infection. <laughs> So if we can get patients to have uh, good blood sugar control, which we measure with uh, something called a hemoglobin A1C level, uh, which most diabetics are already very familiar with, if we can get that level below 7 before surgery, then people's risk of infection uh, is equivalent to the normal population. So do you end up working with the patient directly on that, or do you usually work through their primary care physician, or how do you make sure that they get best control of their diabetes? It's a good question. Uh, we work with both, actually. Uh, we have found that... Um, for some patients uh, who are very, very good at uh, monitoring their own sugars, they are uh, fairly easy to work with. Uh, other uh, folks maybe aren't as compliant with uh, with their blood sugar regimen, with their insulin or their uh, medications for their diabetes. We will reach out to their uh, primary care doctors to uh, to assist, and then uh, occasionally we actually uh, refer people to our own diabetes center. Now, how about physical exercise? Do you do you work with them on their stamina? There is there is a, a program, uh, a true prehabilitation program where people will start to increase their activities before surgery. I deal mostly with uh, abdominal wall problems and hernias, and a lot of people have actually stopped their physical activity because of the discomfort that they have because of these abdominal wall problems that they have. And so 
it's uh, it can be difficult sometimes to uh, to get them going with regards to an exercise program. But we have the ability of using things like arm ergometers, um, even getting people just on a treadmill and starting to walk. Oh, you mean like things like Fitbit or Jawbone, some of those products that are out there now? Exactly, exactly. And and have people monitor what they do with the idea that um, with uh, as little as six weeks of activity before surgery, similar to the smoking cessation, uh, patients will show an improved uh, outcome after surgery uh, with regards to getting back up on their feet, um, not being as dependent, um, and they have uh, overall better functional outcomes uh, after surgery. Now, do you talk to them about medications? Are there certain medications that they would need to stop prior to surgery so that that doesn't have an adverse effect on the outcome? There are. Uh, there are uh, a lot of supplements uh, that patients take now. And uh, being in Utah, uh, we have a lot of folks who, um, who do engage in uh, trying to improve their own health by taking these supplements. And uh, in surgery, uh, some of these supplements can actually increase the risk of bleeding. Uh, there are seven or eight uh, that exist uh, that do do that. We, we, we talk about the, the Gs for general surgery. Uh, ginkgo biloba is, uh, is one of them, uh, garlic, ginseng. Uh, Saul Palmetto is another one. Um, so, but there are some things that patients definitely need to stop before undergoing a bigger operation. So, part of prehabilitation is that they work with the patient to tell them to go off of those medicines before they enter the operating arena. Exactly, exactly. And then we also work with uh, patients from a, a nutritional standpoint. Uh, as uh, uh, metabolic surgery, gastric bypass type surgery has become more popular. Uh, general surgeons are starting to have to uh, operate on folks who've had these procedures. And what uh, we have a much better understanding of now is that these patients come in with uh, some fairly significant metabolic derangements, which if you just look at somebody sitting in a chair, you would never really recognize. Uh, there are vitamin deficiencies that these patients have coming in. And so there really is some dietary counseling that we go through and some nutritional counseling that we go through, uh, not just with the gastric bypass patients, but actually with uh, with all of our patients. So, Dr. Vargo, is this prehabilitation concept a, a local concept or a university concept, or is this more of a national construct that's sort of being rolled out? It is. Uh, it's becoming more and more popular uh, across the country and actually around the world. Uh, this past May uh, was the Third World Congress on the, these types of programs called uh, Enhanced Recovery After Surgery. And there's a uh, listing of guidelines for people who are interested. You can go onto the web and you can, uh, you can look these up. And if you do have a surgery that is, uh, that's, that's being planned for you, uh, you can look through the list of things that you can do uh, to help uh, improve your own outcomes after surgery. Would they Google prehabilitation? Would that be the thing that they would Google? Either prehabilitation or, or enhanced recovery after surgery. That would also be something that uh, that would work. Now, you've given us a list of a number of things that you're having patients do or consider. In your experience, does doing all of that result in a better outcome? It actually does result in a better outcome. There have been multiple studies that have been done uh, that show that uh, patients have a uh, significantly decreased risk of wound infections after surgery. Uh, for the elderly patients, there's a decreased risk of falls after surgery and the consequences of having falls after surgery. And actually, in my own patient population, I was able to decrease the uh, uh, wound complication rate by about 50%. 
just by uh, implementing this type of program. TheScopeRadio.com is University of Utah Health Sciences Radio. If you like what you heard, be sure to get our latest content by following us on Facebook. Just click on the Facebook icon at TheScopeRadio.com.